Welcome to Making Connections News. I'm your host, Mimi Pickering. This episode features speakers from the January 12th Reimagine Appalachia Strategy Summit, including comments from Ohio Valley mayors who have developed a Marshall Plan for redeveloping our region. Reimagine Appalachia is a broad coalition of thought leaders and organizations from West Virginia, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, and Ohio. Together, they've developed a policy blueprint that outlines a vision for vibrant Appalachian communities where everyone is paid enough to support themselves and their family, where future generations can put down roots, and where everyone has clean air to breathe and water to drink. The goals of the summit were to look at the political landscape of the region and the nation as we head into 2021 and to discuss how to move forward to achieve a 21st century sustainable Appalachia and shared prosperity in the region. We hear first from Jacqueline Bonomo, President and CEO of Penn Future, who welcomed the virtual audience and introduced Reimagine co-chairs Amanda Woodrum from Policy Matters Ohio and Steve Herzenberg, Executive Director of the Keystone Research Center. Thank you, everyone. Our most consequential election has just taken place. And as a result, the states of Appalachia's Ohio River Valley, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Kentucky now concentrate the most critical block of United States senators and Congress people in the nation. All of you, the residents, workers, and voters of our states hold sway and power over these electeds. Real power that must be activated now if the promise of a new future for Appalachia and the country is to become a reality. Reimagine Appalachia is putting forth the policies, investment opportunities, and making the case for green, good paying jobs that will allow our region and everyone here to blossom. For over 200 years, Appalachian gave and the rest of the country and the world happily took or extracted from us. But no longer is the region's outlay of grit, Warthek, work ethic, sacrifice, spirit of problem solving and innovation that has always been marked, that has always marked the region enough. We believe the time has come for a new deal to be struck between all levels of governments and the people of our region. And we are calling for massive investments in Appalachia. The groups, individuals and funders who make up the Reimagine Appalachia Coalition have been working in earnest for the last 16 months or so on the pieces of this blueprint, vision, campaign platform, call us what you will. But we believe we have in hand a compelling and achievable vision at a scale that can truly transform, an emerging body of research that's producing data that substantiates our vision as the right one for our communities, workers, economy, and environment, and a plan to achieve all this. And that's what you'll be helping us refine today. And of course, adding to that, with all your new and great ideas. So thank you again for being here. At this time, I'd like to in introduce Reimagine Appalachia's co-chairs, Amanda Woodrum, Senior Researcher of Policy Matters Ohio, and Steven Herzenberg, Executive Director of the Keystone Research Center. Over to you, Amanda and Steve. Thanks, Jackie. So our goal is to secure Appalachia's place at the national climate table and ultimately to secure a new deal that works for us. 
in this region. Appalachia, our cold country, has long been a political stumbling block to national climate solutions. But reimagine Appalachia has the solution. The bottom line, we need a federal climate infrastructure program for Appalachia developed by the people of Appalachia. One that creates hundreds of thousands of good union jobs in Appalachia. One that comes with both community and labor standards to make sure that the jobs created are union jobs, that co-workers are given priority for the work that needs to be done, and that we're creating pathways for Black workers, women, and other people of color into those union jobs. To be sure, Reimagine Appalachia is taking our work to Washington in 2021, and we will need your help. Thank you, Amanda. Uh, the problems that this campaign seeks to address have been with us a long time, but are also urgent. Long term, the reversal of fortunes of working people in our region since the late 1970s has been nothing short of astounding. In the four decades before that, the bottom 90% in our four states enjoyed increases in inflation-adjusted average income of at least three times in Pennsylvania, which started with higher incomes, to as much as five times in Kentucky. In the past 40 years, the bottom 90% has seen no increase in its average income in these four states, and big parts of our region have remained mired in persistent poverty. Short term, our region, our nation, sorry, has lost 10 million jobs since February of last year, and our four states, 1 million. And we also face the accelerating ravages of climate change. Our solution, as Amanda laid out, is the Reimagine Appalachia framework. As the job studies our campaign commissioned and two of which we released last October show, the investments in our framework would create half a million jobs in just Ohio and Pennsylvania. In terms of the stars aligning with this campaign and its vision, the phrase is it's better to be lucky than good. We think it's best to be lucky and good. And we're feeling at this moment that we, the we gathered together today, the much larger we to which those in today's summit connect is pretty good. We said from the start of this campaign that the 99% are unified in terms of the long-term vision. Almost everyone except the Koch brothers wants shared prosperity and to avoid ravaging the places we call home and global environmental Armageddon. We said from the start that the hard part of this campaign is how we get there. We think we've been through the hardest part of how we get there, doesn't mean the rest will be easy, but we think the awareness of and support for Reimagine Appalachia is growing among all our key communities, local communities, labor and environmentalists, elected officials and frontline groups, business and economic developers. Now, as Amanda said, we want your help today to map out our action plan for this year, help us get some wins and have some fun and put our blessed region and blessed country on a path to a brighter future, on a path to a new deal for us. That was Steve Herzenberg and Amanda Woodrum. Roxanne Brown, United Steelworkers International Vice President at Large, spoke on a panel about policy priorities for 2021 and avenues to achieve them. As a manufacturing union and as a union that is very, very intimately familiar with the Ohio Valley, 
and you know what's happened in the Ohio Valley from you know really the 80s and the level of loss that um, our membership has seen and the communities have seen and what those losses have meant not just for our members' families, um, but really the community, devastating, right? And we fast forward here to 2021 when we should really be talking about the manufacturing strength of the United States and these industries that quite literally built this country, right? That as Colin said, really, you know, the seat of many of them were really in the Ohio Valley in Appalachia. Um, we're not there. Uh, that's not the conversation. And, you know, we have a lot of hope that what uh, President-elect Biden has laid out in the Build Back Better plan will, will reap some really good and powerful fruit. What we, um, you know, have seen, unfortunately, over the last few months, especially with COVID, you know, manufacturing was struggling pre-COVID, but significantly uh, has struggled as a result of COVID. And our union in particular saw, you know, about 50,000 jobs um, that, were, that were lost during that, that period of time. And some of them have not come back in communities in Appalachia, but other communities across the country that just can't afford those types of losses. They can't sustain those types of losses. And so as we look into the work of this next administration, I think, that word that I just use, uh, sustain, is, is what's at the forefront of our minds as the steelworkers. There's a massive economic crisis, which we all know. There's a massive climate crisis, which we all know. And you know, so much of our work over the last really 40 years, because these, neither of these uh, crises are new, has been meshing the two to try to figure out how policies can achieve uh, what we would like on both of those fronts going forward. And it gives me a lot of hope that House and Senate committees have actually built, as they're looking at infrastructure, have actually built climate into the work of those committees. So today, if you're talking about infrastructure, you're not just talking about roads and bridges, but you're actually talking about resilience and how communities can stand up in the face of, of climate crises, right? You're talking about how you can look at communities in Appalachia and harness the skill set that still does exist in some of these communities, despite the fact that we have lost so many jobs, there is still a skill set. Look, we lost the Ormet facility in Ohio back in 2014, where you know about a thousand steel workers were laid off. A lot of those folks still had to they had to go to other places to find other jobs, but there's still a lot of folks there that have the skills that we need to build out the componentry for a lot of the clean energy techs that we wanna see. We wanna harness that power. We wanna tap into the universities, the community colleges, where we can actually foster not just the, the research and development, but the job training, right? There's so much that is needed in the way of, of, of upskilling the, the workers who are in communities and people who are in communities to make the stuff that we all know is gonna be necessary as we're looking into the, the, this growing economy that we have ahead of us. Um, but I think for us, the, the lowest hanging fruit, and this is something that, that Colin and I have talked about for a very long time, is really the infrastructure. It's the meat that was left on the table by this current administration. 
uh, you know, uh, he came in making a lot of promises about these massive infrastructure packages that really yielded no fruit. And it's the one of the only places where there really is bipartisan support because everyone, you know, knows what a, a, a failure of a dam can mean for a community or what the failure of a bridge can mean for a community or what, you know, lack of access to broadband, especially now when so many of us need to have that capacity at home, right, is, is lacking. And so um, we will be pushing very significantly. I think what you can expect to see from our union as we um, go into this year, into this 117th Congress, is a very strong and strategic push for infrastructure, for a massive infrastructure investment. Colin already talked about the big bill from the House that will likely come at the end of February. But we're going to be driving a lot of the work around um, support for that policy, uh, but also infrastructure banks, um, uh, stronger domestic sourcing uh, policies, because we want to make sure that if we're using taxpayer dollars to build out these systems, whatever they are, water, energy, um, you know, uh, in, uh, transportation, whatever it is, we want to make sure that the components that are being used uh, are sourced here domestically and they're made by American workers. Because we can't, we can't get back to um, a point where we're talking about the, the might of domestic manufacturing unless we actually have domestic manufacturing capacity, right? Which takes me to, um, uh, I think my final point before I, I, I close out here, because hopefully we can get to some questions is, as you do this work, we definitely want to talk about the jobs that are to come. We definitely want to talk about the jobs that we want to create, but we have to be very respectful about the jobs that exist currently and the industries that can be very helpful to the clean energy economy. Um, and I appreciate the work that Reimagine has done to work with unions and unions like mine, you know, energy and industrial unions. Um, whose members on average, you know, um, make anywhere between 75,000 and 150,000, depending on who you're talking to. You talk to one of my oil workers, they're making 150,000 plus. You talk to one of our steel workers, they're making, you know, 75,000 plus. You talk to some of our folks who haul coal on the barges there in the Ohio Valley. And they make about $80,000, $85,000. And so as we're, as we're thinking about um, jobs, we have to be respectful of the jobs that are there that are actually sustaining families and communities um, and, and figure out how we can bring these jobs into the, the new economy, not necessarily eliminate them, right? But help to bring them into the new economy. So that's that's one thing that I I, I would definitely flag and and caution for you as, as you have these conversations. So the strategy summit ended with a panel with Ohio Valley mayors, who are among the seven mayors who have developed what they're calling a Marshall Plan for Middle America, and they've also endorsed the Reimagine Appalachia Blueprint. Leslie Marshall, Associate Director for the Center for Sustainable Business at the University of Pittsburgh, provided an overview of these two plans. Very excited to be invited to just give a brief overview of these two plans as we move forward. Um, 
we've been working in parallel um, through the Center for Sustainable Business, working in parallel with Reimagine Appalachia for about the last six months or so on these two projects. So I've been asked to speak a little bit to how both the Marshall Plan for Middle America and the Reimagine Appalachia Blueprint uh, intersect. So both the MP for MA, as we call it, and the Reimagine Appalachia Blueprint understand this moment is an opportunity to tackle the interrelated challenges of climate change, economic collapse, and widening gaps in social and economic well-being, which have been exacerbated by the pandemic, though they are rooted in persistent and historic inequities across our region. Both aim to spur massive investment in reimagining and rebuilding our region so that we can lead as a hub for innovative, equitable, and sustainable development, be known worldwide for having a diversified, resilient economy. Both see national conversations about a federal stimulus package as a potentially catalytic force for change, rebuilding our economy by rebuilding our infrastructure and creating new jobs along the way, dignified work for those in our community. So the MP for MA and the Reimagine Appalachia Blueprint are really two complementary visions for a more equitable and sustainable future for our region. But to get a little bit more specific about the MP for MA, it's a nonpartisan effort to envision a strategy for cross-sectoral collaboration to drive public and private investment in more equitable and sustainable economic development that will transform our region and lay the foundation for us to be that global leader in cleaner energy resources and circular economy practices. So it's an effort really to identify all the pieces of the puzzle, all the stakeholder groups that have a role to play in helping us realize that transition. And this includes identifying areas of historic strength as well as opportunities uh, for innovation improvement. So I'm gonna highlight just a few key points from the MP for MA roadmap, uh, though I'm sure the mayors will elaborate more in just a few moments. So some key points that come out of the analysis. Our estimates suggest that we need 60 billion per year over the next 10 years in public and private investments in energy efficiency and renewable energy supply expansion to meet the IPCC targets for climate change reduction, which includes having our carbon emissions by 2030 and getting to net zero by 2050. And if implemented successfully, these, these investments uh, could create an average of 410,000 new jobs annually and that's at a time when we stand to lose up to 100,000 jobs in fossil fuel related industries over the next 10 years. At the same time, we're looking at the potential to reduce household energy costs and create more equitable routes for participation, co-creation and ownership in our region's economy. So the MP for MA also emphasizes the extent to which our communities around the region are already making this transition. Uh, more sustainable economic practices are emerging right here in Upper Appalachia. This isn't something that only exists on the coast in California or in New York. For example, the largest solar array in the country is in Southern Ohio, right so outside of Cincinnati. And that's the kind of impact and scale that we can see across our region just right here. And we emphasize that these examples uh, exist alongside examples of projects that still need funding where catalytic investment could help scale these projects for a much broader impact. And we wanna get really creative about the kind of financing that we're talking about. So we talk a little bit more about uh, the need for economically targeted investments using city pension funds and so on to reinvest in our communities. And I'm sure you'll hear more in just a few moments. But in short, both the MP for MA and the Reimagine Appalachia Blueprint share the vision that if we're intentional 
about laying the foundation for making these investments, about working across sectors, about taking seriously the expertise of people's lived experiences, about putting in place policies that enable more equitable participation in decision-making, and about reforming institutions so that those who've been historically marginalized or excluded from access to benefits while also enduring the brunt of environmental, social, and economic harms. We take all of that seriously and develop an intentional, coordinated, and collaborative response, then we can build a future that is more equitable and sustainable for all. Erica Strasberger, Pittsburgh City Council member, moderated the panel. Huntington, West Virginia Mayor Stephen T. Williams and William Pedutu, Mayor of Pittsburgh, respond to her question. So the first question I'd like to pose to the mayors here with us today is, why was it important for you to be part of this panel? And um, perhaps you can speak to any ways that um, this work that we're discussing here today, that we've been discussing since 1 p.m. today, is already happening in your cities or in your regions. What the reason it, it's important for me to, to, to be a part of this is just the name of this of this group, Reimagining Reimagine Appalachia. What we've been attempting to do for the last eight years is to reimagine Huntington to lift people's expectations that we can compete with anybody in the world, that if we set our mind to do something that we can accomplish it. And the one thing that I think that we need to understand in Appalachia is uh, just a very basic tenant of competition around the world. If you first identify what you do that is unique to your community, you don't have to, com you don't have to compete with anybody else. Now, it's not to say that we're not work, that we're not operating in a worldwide market, but the fact of the matter is our competition are not our local communities. My competition is not Youngstown, it's not Pittsburgh, it's not Athens. It's on the other side of the world. And we have to prepare ourselves in order to be able to, to, to do that. And as we reimagine Appalachia, we reimagine Huntington, we reimagine Athens, we reimagine Youngstown and Pittsburgh. As we reimagine each of our, our communities, then we're able to lift up this, this region. And I fully believe that we don't give ourselves enough credit that once again, and I do believe that what Pittsburgh has done has proven is that you can be a leader on the world stage and take care of your neighborhood. And the, that's the, those are the values that we have in Appalachia. And as we reimagine Appalachia, we don't lose our values and we don't lose who we are. And that's why I wanted and I felt it's necessary to be a part of this and to be a part of the Marshall Plan to make sure that we have a partner at the federal government, that we're not flyover country, but we have been the forgotten part of the nation and simply remind the federal government is that if we're going to move forward and lead our economies, then we need to have a federal partner as well. Thank you, Mayor Peduto. Yeah, and uh, thank you, Erica, for uh, Councilwoman, for, for leading this discussion. Um, when I think about uh, why I'm here today, uh, it's to endorse Reimagine Appalachia. Uh, we have worked together as mayors to put together an economic development strategy 
that's based around renewable energy, green technology, and the rebuilding of communities that are even outside of our cities. Uh, areas that have been hard hit uh, from the transfer from fossil fuels that are going to be even harder hit over the next 10 years, simply because of where the world is moving. And we have an opportunity to rely upon those communities and those individuals whose families have a long history of building America to rebuild America for the 21st century. Um, I'm here to support the mission and the statements of Reimagine Appalachia uh, as a grassroots leader of being able to build a consensus that we can work on that represents our region. Uh, speaking with a member of Congress in uh, the past two weeks from Ohio, and understanding what's happening in Washington. As we look at a state like Pennsylvania um, that has 18 Congress members or will have 18 Congress members and half are Democrat, half are Republican, we're up against Los Angeles that has 20 members of Congress, just Los Angeles. And if we can't pull together as local leaders and work together on an economic development strategy, how can we expect our members who represent us in Washington to do so? When we talk to them, they're, they're thankful for uh, the work that is being done. And we need as mayors, the grassroots support and the support of a group like Reimagine Appalachia. I think that both groups can, can work together in order to be able to create mission uh, which uh, will work for the betterment of this region over the next 10 years. There is no doubt that this government, federal government, will be working to pass a new infrastructure bill in the course of the early second quarter of this year. And we should have a voice in what it looks like. It shouldn't just be determined by the areas of this country where basically the wealthiest districts have the chairmanships and where the areas like ours are left behind. We should have our voice out in front of what that infrastructure bill should look like. And in order to be able to make sure that we get the support from our senators on both parties and our members of Congress, uh, we need that support of an organization like Reimagine Appalachia. Here is Huntington, West Virginia Mayor Stephen T. Williams, followed by William Padutu, Mayor of Pittsburgh. Erica, you asked, uh, so what do mayors need to, to do? First of all, I think uh, every one of my colleagues would say is that we have an obligation to lead. Don't just be talking, but we've got to pull parties to the to the table and make sure that their voices are, are, are being heard. Um, Mayor Peduto pointed out that in each of our each of our cities that we have, have universities that we're able to rely upon. Um, frankly, we have to be able to rely upon and call upon our anchor institutions. It's the universities, the hospitals, the other those other institutions that bring 
a matter of brain power to the table to be able to make sure that there is an energy to be able to do something. But we also need to reimagine just what we're doing. Um, Huntington is right on the Ohio, Kentucky and West Virginia border along the Ohio River Valley. Uh, Huntington isn't in the coal fields, but it has benefited from uh, the, the coal economy over a hundred over hundred years. We had some entrepreneurs that were audacious enough to reimagine what our, how our community would respond in an energy economy. So what did they do? Is they created a Coalfield Development Corporation, not to develop coal, but to take out of work coal miners and teach them other skills that they would be able to utilize to be able to take care of their families and also to be able to build their own future. And one of the companies that they created of the many companies was a company called Solar Holler, <laughs> where these coal miners are being certified on solar power, solar panel installation on homes and, and businesses. And they're doing that throughout Southern West, West Virginia. Um, the ARC that Mayor Peduto pointed out, the Appalachian Regional Commission, frankly, uh, that's a partner that just continues uh, to, to give to us. And one thing that I have been so impressed with the last three years is the ARC has a leadership institute where they take individuals within each of the communities of, of the 13 states that make up the Appalachian Regional Commission and they come together over a year's period and I've had opportunity to be able to come and meet with them and there is a brilliance in that room, an absolute brilliance in that room that I, I have absolute faith that these individuals are going to step up and be able to lead. Well, guess what? It's something very similar to what we have right here is through Reimagine Appalachia, all of the individuals who are participating in this, just think, all of us come together and then when from old football parlance, we break the huddle and go out and then run the plays. It's amazing what we'll be able, what we'll be able to to take full advantage of. So yes, we need a federal partner, but I'd be remiss to say that we need to take full advantage of the philanthropies that are in our region to be able to step forward. It's amazing what we've been able to do in Huntington with the different philanthropic groups, local in our community throughout uh, the, the state of West Virginia to be able to step up. And as a result, we're able to we're, we're receiving investment from the Appalachian Regional Commission for, for high-speed broadband in our community. The governor has come in and has matched a $2.5 million grants on that. The power grants that are being brought into each of our communities in Appalachia are a goldmine for us to be able to move forward. But as Mayor Peduto pointed out, we don't have to compete against one another for $500,000 grants. We're talking about billions of dollars coming into our communities to be able to transform our area. So what do mayors have to do? The mayors have to have the vision, articulate that vision and go and make sure that we're doing what we can to be able to build consensus around that vision. But that vision comes from the community. So I'll close with just a, uh, an observation and then also I want to be able to uh, at least answer a couple of the questions from chat um, 
the the first part is I'm, I'm old enough to remember the last steel mill in Pittsburgh and the battle that went on down in Hazelwood when the mill was proposing to reopen. Um, it was a battle where people probably to this day still don't talk to each other um, between the environmentalists and labor unions, between the Sierra Club and the steel workers. And from that came out one very positive outtake, and that was the Blue Green Alliance, uh, a partnership between and created between the steel, United Steel Workers and the Sierra Club that worked on an agenda, a common agenda for good jobs, green jobs. Uh, I was honored to be a part of that board of directors during that first year of the Blue Green Alliance. And to this day, it still works to be able to find ways where labor and environmentalists can work together. They were the leaders uh, of stopping the trade deal with Asia because of the environmental impacts that would happen and how it would treat the workers. And uh, what they support is fair trade. At that same time, we need to look internally at our own region and find a way to be able to bring the labor unions and the environmentalists together. How do you turn a mine worker into an environmentalist? You put a paycheck in her hand. You allow her to see herself as a part of the future and to be able to stay in her town where she was raised. And you allow her to see where her kids will be able to stay there too. That congressperson who I spoke to from Ohio told me the story about the conversations that she has with people from the rest of the country. And her fellow members of Congress say, why would you stay in an area that doesn't have any jobs? Move. Well, maybe we don't wanna move. Maybe we want to stay here. So we're going to have to figure out a way to work together. And we're going to have to figure out a way that takes care of the communities that may not think the same way that we do, but to win them over by winning their hearts and their minds that there is a place for them in the future. When we go into rural Pennsylvania and we say, we're going to turn you into coders, we are being toned down. They don't want to be coders. They build America. Their parents built America. They want to build it again. When we go in and we promise that we're going to help to get investment to bring manufacturing back to your town and to make sure that that plant reopens, but it's going to be building something different. You're going to have a part of building a new America, a 21st century America, then we win them over. If we want to be able to defeat the build out of petrochemical industry throughout the Ohio Valley, we beat it out by showing that green hydrogen energy can be the way of our future throughout this entire region. We show the examples like Mayor Cranley in Cincinnati with solar power and the wind power that's being generated throughout all of West Virginia. And we say, and as uh, Mayor Brown had said and, and Mayor Patterson, we build it here. American steel being used manufactured in different parts of our region, assembled in our region and shipped out throughout the world. We have the opportunity right now because of the overcapacity of gas, that the folks that came in to frack, frack too much, 
that's why we're seeing cracker plants move in because they, they need to find somewhere to sell the gas to. And any incentive that is provided for that by the state should be provided to create the green renewable type of manufacturing that we're talking about. And if we were able to provide that through an entire region, then we could watch the green hydrogen companies moving in into our area to set up and to be a part of the economy. Um, you know, I, I've, I've made my own personal uh, stand that uh, I won't support any additional um, cracker plants. Um, and I, I say that for the public health and the environmental reasons, but I also say it for the opportunity costs and the economic reasons. As we saw Pittsburgh change to a 21st century economy, I worry about losing those companies if we were to see more companies move into the valley. And so I would ask everyone to have a very simple request that before another plant is built in this country, that the Department of Energy must conduct an environmental impact study, must conduct a public health impact study, and must conduct an economic study before we even consider. It's no different than Burger King moving into your neighborhood. You wouldn't allow them to have three drive-ins without a traffic study. Why shouldn't we be asking these companies what the negative effects are and not just the number of jobs that are being created for construction? I don't wanna leave on that negative note, but I just wanted to be able to answer because I saw there were a number of questions in chat about my feelings on that issue. But I do wanna say that there is an opportunity that if we can work together, the mayors of this region, along with Reimagine Appalachia, and we can build out a common agenda based partly upon our economic development strategy and partly upon the mission of Reimagine Appalachia, that we can then bring it up the food chain to our state leaders in the four states, to our congressional leadership and to our senators. I would love to see the day Mitch McConnell would vote against billions of dollars coming into Kentucky. I think we have an opportunity within this next six months to really have a plan that we can put together at the grassroots level that will get a lot of traction at the federal level. Well, on that note, I want to um, say that, you know, we're facing dark times right now, but this panel and this summit today gives me hope that brighter days are ahead and that we're going to plant the seeds for the tree that our children and our grandchildren will be able to find shade under and to find fruit from. And um, I wanna thank you all. I, wanna, I want all, us all to give a round of applause. That was Pittsburgh Mayor Bill Padutu and before him, Steve Williams, Mayor of Huntington, West Virginia. Both have been leaders in the creation of the Marshall Plan for Middle America. They hope that that plan, as well as the ideas put forth in the Reimagine Appalachia Blueprint, will be supported with investment from the new administration in Washington. Our stories exploring opportunities and challenges for building a new economy and healthy communities in Appalachia and beyond are available at www makingconnectionsnews.org and wherever you find your podcasts.
This is Mimi Pickering. Thank you for listening.